0: from KIOS in Omaha and Exarvin Creative. You are listening to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. I've been talking to all the people running for mayor. I got almost all of them at this point, except for Mayor Jean Stothert, and that's exactly who is on the show today.
1: I've done a lot in my administration about diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's very important. We've made a lot of progress with that. So I really do not see Omaha as a divided city. Can we do better? Of course we can
0: Mayor Stothard and I talk about her life, her upbringing, what made her the kind of person she is who is very interested in understanding things, in running things, in doing some of the logistics that go into a job like being mayor. We also talk a little bit about Omaha's legacy in terms of the past and in terms of what Omaha could mean and look like in the future. Stay tuned for that conversation with Mayor Gene Stothard right here on Riverside Chats. If you're a fan of Riverside Chats and want to see the show not only continue but expand in new spin-off shows including a film club, a book club, and a news roundup, please consider becoming a Patreon at patreon.com slash Riverside Chats. For as low as just $1 a month, you get access to exclusive audio as well as our full backlog of episodes. Our most recent 50 are always free. Older than that goes behind the paywall. So you get that plus exclusive content over at patreon.com slash Riverside Chats. Please consider becoming a patron today. You're listening to Riverside Chats, I'm Tom Noblock. I've been talking to people running for mayor, people running for city council. I've talked to people running for uh, federal office, and there there are some some refrains that you hear, and there are people who have similar stories. It's always kind of a gamble, you know, is this person going to really show who they are? Or am I going to get some uh, you know, some pre-planned like here's what they think I'll ask them? And part of why when I do my interviews, I try not to to really have questions or actually what happens sometimes is like in the qu- in the case of today I'll write out a bunch of questions that I think I'll follow and then you like when you have a conversation it's ultimately difficult to read from a piece of paper and make a connection and so I you know I, today was an example uh, that has pretty much happened every time I write out a bunch of questions which is I don't really use them uh, it helps me organize thoughts but what I'm more interested in is can I get this person to show who they are can we get to the core of them and what drives them. And in this case, Mayor Jean Stothert and I, I think we did get there. So I'm happy to have a show that exposes her as a human, just like we have with some of the other candidates running for various offices in Omaha as our municipal election approaches. Here is my conversation with Mayor Jean Stothert. Um, well, so I, I do want to start by uh, saying how sorry I am um, to hear about your loss. Um, Thank you. I, I, you know, I, many of us, I think, do underestimate the healing work that goes into, uh, you know, grieving. And just, it's, you know, it's sort of like normalized to, to sort of ignore it and to move past it and to pretend like everything is fine the next day when you go back to work. Um, but so I, I did want to ask, and one of my listeners had sent in this question, actually, but how are you scheduling time for self-care in the grief process uh, now and then should you get reelected?
1: Yeah well, you know, I mean, everybody handles grief differently, obviously. the 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 great thing for me is I have so many I have my my both of my kids, my daughter and my son, are back in Omaha. One was living in d c and the other in Florida. Thank God they're back with their families and my little grandsons. So they're around, they offer a lot of support. Um, But you know what, I will tell you this, and I've had family visit me, I have friends in the neighborhood, but I had to get back to my work family too, because they give me a lot of support. And I will tell you that my husband loved what I did. There was nobody more proud than my husband that I was mayor of Omaha, he wanted me to win this next election so bad. He was one of my biggest fans. And he would want me to continue with my job and do the best job I can and he would want me to continue with the campaign. And so me going back to work, I went back to work after about a week and a half or so. And uh, it helped me a lot because it helped me, you know, at, at times I would need to shut my door and take a little time out. And uh, but it would help me to get back and focus on things at, at work. Too. You know, I've had a lot of input from a lot of people talking to, like I say, a lot of Joe's um, ex partners down at the Med Center, talk to his boss, talk to the chairman of surgery. There's a lot of people grieving uh, that missed my husband. Uh, You know, his partners that worked with him and operated with him just a few days before. And so we're kind of all in this together. And I just think that. Um, You know, it's I will miss Joe forever and and I loved him and um, I hope I can just shine a light on mental illness and depression, especially healthcare workers and encourage them. There is no there should be no stigma of getting help because I tried to get Joe help and he refused. So, you know, I will take the time I need. Mm -hmm. um, Obviously, Um, you know, I'm not one of those people that um, is afraid to be at home alone either. Um, Joe worked so much. I mean, he was working like nine nights a month. He was always gone. And even when my kids were small, you know, he'd operate late into the night. So I'm used to being alone and I'm used to being doing a lot of things. I'm used to being independent. But, um, you know, we will get through this. We have to get through this. Uh, There's hope. And I think that my, you know, at first you don't think you could ever smile again, but you can. And uh, I've received so many encouraging letters from people. And uh, surprisingly enough, so many people that have had family members or friends uh, die by suicide. And they are all giving me hope. We can get through this.
0: I'm glad to hear that. Um, and, uh, you know, th- this seems like a good point maybe to go back to the beginning. So, I mean, you talk about being independent, being able to sort of be I don't know. I think there are kids who can find ways to occupy their time and there are kids who sort of need something to to be handed to them. So, I mean, were you always somebody who as a kid was able to keep yourself busy and find things you were interested in and, you know, devote your energy to it?
1: Oh, my goodness. Yes, I was. You know, I mean, I I can tell you, I grew up in a small town, Wood River, Illinois, right outside of St. Louis, about 20 minutes out of St. Louis. And for as far as I can remember, I, I worked You know, I I did things I felt like that we all had a responsibility to give back to our community, and I felt that way in high school. I remember one of my first jobs in high school. I didn't have a car. I didn't have a car until my third year in college, and uh, I would walk everywhere, ride my bike everywhere. And uh, you know, I I I was I volunteered to do a lot of things when I was in high school, like I was a class officer in high school. I just enjoyed being involved in in like community service. I've I've, I've always felt that way, but I always felt like I had to find my own way too. And so, you know, um, for another example I could give you is, when I went to nursing school, my first uh, degree in nursing, is all my girlfriends wanted to go out and work in the pretty fancy hospitals in St. Louis County. And I wanted to work at St. Louis University because that's where all the action was. That's where I felt that I could make the most difference. And that's why I choose, chose at the time an inner city hospital. And a good thing I did, I think all things happened for a reason because that's where I met my husband in an intensive care unit. So, you know, when we moved to Omaha, which is about 27 years ago, his job as a trauma surgeon was very demanding, and I thought I could go back, I could work as a nurse, but my kids were important to me then, they were in kindergarten and second grade, they're important to me now, but I mean, (laughs) I felt like somebody being around consistently for them was really important, and I knew Joe couldn't, and so I just dove in and got really involved in the schools, and volunteered and that's how my political career started because there was somebody that resigned from the millard school board and i thought this is something i can do and uh, my husband always used to laugh because i would go to him of of these elected positions that i've had because i ran for school board three times the legislature once city council once mayor now three times he would laugh and he would say each time I would come to him and I would say, um, I want to do this. I want to run for this. What do you think? And he would say, I don't think you should do it. And I would go, OK, I'll do it. So <laughs> I, I just I, he said, I always did what I wanted to do. And whenever I dove in, I gave it everything I could give it. I wanted to do it right. I wanted to do to, to do it the best I can.
0: Where do you trace that ambition? Because I think you, when you talk about like, oh, I, I can do this, uh, it takes a lot of people I don't know. And certainly there's some life experience that happens, but I think a lot of people don't do the things that they might want to do because they, they don't know if they're good enough or they don't know exactly what they need to know to do it. So, I mean, how did you get the confidence to sort of just throw yourself into these positions and run for all of this stuff?
1: Mm-hmm. You know, I, that that's a hard question to ask. How did you get confidence? You know, yeah. if I ask you that, you're like, huh. But I think it's just that I have always felt like whatever I am going to do, I'm gonna give it 110% and I'm gonna do it the best I can. And it's paid off. You know, I mean, even when when I first ran for school board here, um, I hadn't even lived in Nebraska that long. You know, I was born and raised in the St. Louis area. And I thought, I am going to walk in every housing area in the Millard School District, and I did it. And, and you know, and, and there was like 12 people running for the school board at that time. And I came out with some of the highest percentage of votes. And so, I, I could tell by hard work pays off. And my da- my mom and dad were very blue collar. My mom stayed at home. My dad worked in a refinery, but he gave it 100% all the time. And, uh, you know, I think it's just that work ethic that I saw when I was younger and how I applied it when I was older. And then I could see when you really work hard and you treat people nicely too. You know, I, I get so tired of this vitriol that I hear all the time. Out in, you know, especially in politics now, um, people like to be treated well. And I treat my staff well and I treat, try to treat every citizen in Omaha well, no matter where you live and who you are. And everybody's equal in my mind. So, you know, I think I just have seen successes along the way. Um, three times with the, the uh, school board, one very tight loss for the legislature to Steve Lathrop in 2006, a successful city council race. And when I ran for city council, I told my staff, we are not gonna lose by 14 votes, like I did when I ran for um, the legislature. And then the mayoral races, you know, I had tough mayoral races. I challenged the incumbent and I I worked for a year when I ran against Jim Suttle, a full year I knocked on doors. And I thought, boy, if I'm gonna say I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna give it everything I can. And I'm not gonna, at the end of the day, at the end of the election, I'm not gonna say, gee, I wish I would have done more knocking, or I wish I would have done more forums. I thought I'm gonna give it my all. And that's, I think seeing those successes along the way and knowing that hard work and good ethic pays off is how I have built my own confidence that I can do these things. Um, I, You know, and when I ran for mayor, I had been on the council for four years, and I knew how the city ran. And I think it would be so difficult for someone totally from the outside to come in and be the mayor of Omaha. You know, I knew about the city budget. The city budget's huge. I, I, I develop and manage a billion-dollar budget. I do that. That's my responsibility. Um, I knew how to negotiate labor contracts. When the city council took over the labor negotiations when I was on the council, they made me chair of the labor negotiations committee. I understood that. You know, I understood public works. I understood the law department. I understood the planning department. And so it would be so difficult, I think, for somebody seamlessly that had no experience in doing all of those things, especially managing a billion dollar budget to come in and do it well and effectively.
0: Well, so I, I'm kind of curious about the arc between uh, your decision to go into nursing to then this. Which, obviously, I mean, it seems like that gave you uh, an understanding of how some things work, and then that maybe broadened and expanded from there. But uh, what's the what? What was the transition from being interested in being a nurse to eventually shifting to politics?
1: Sure. Well, you know, first of all, it's 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 a matter again of, of serving people and doing the most good. Um, I I love being a nurse, I still would love being a nurse, you know, I think I could still be a a critical care nurse, I wouldn't know the equipment or the medicines anymore, but I could still take care of a patient because you, you never lose that, but I, I, you know, I've always held some leadership positions, I I tried to move forward, and when I was a young nurse, I, I went right from working on the floor, like a step down unit for cardiovascular surgery for about six months, right into the ICU. That doesn't happen really that often. You usually try to get floor experience first. But you know, after a very short period of time, I became the head nurse in a cardiovascular surgery ICU. And with that job, I I was, at St. Louis U, they called you department heads. So I managed not only the surgeons, but, all of the nurses that I had, I did the budget, I did the interviews, I bought all the equipment, I did help design a new intensive care unit that we moved into. And so I had a lot of leadership roles as a head nurse. And I will tell you, a lot of the things I do today as mayor, I learned as a head nurse. I mean, making wise decisions quickly, critical thinking, um, getting all the information before you make a decision and then make a decision and tell people why and stick by it. These are things that I've, I have learned a lot as a head nurse and I apply today. Um, do your homework. I mean, I still do homework. I, I, when I talk to kids and students, I do homework every night. I bring a big satchel full of stuff. And I read. And, you know, one thing that I think that um, is obvious with me since I've been mayor is other mayors have frequently had spokespeople that would speak for them, communication directors, that if the media had a question, they would talk to the communication director. And I think people have noticed that I don't do that. I don't have a spokesperson. I do everything myself. I do all the, the TV interviews. I do all the press conferences. I, if I go down to the legislature, I testify. I do these things myself because I'm the mayor. The buck really stops with me and I have to take responsibility for all those things. So I better know what I'm talking about and not say, oh, ask my finance director or ask my communication
0: director. I do it myself. If you're just tuning in, I'm talking today with Mayor Jean Stothert about her reelection campaign and vision for Omaha. So, uh, I mean, when you, when you go home and you bring all this work with you, I assume that there's got to be some point, though, where you can sort of switch off and relax. How do, you, how do you switch your brain off at times and just have fun and maybe watch TV or something?
1: Well, you know, that's a good question because I don't watch a lot of TV. My, my kids always tell me about all these these Netflix shows that are so good, and I, I, I don't even turn on the TV. I don't know what's on anymore. What I like to do is when I come home is I like it quiet. I like to have some music on. You know, I, I it just kind of um, relaxes me. Um, believe it or not, I'm a really good cook. I like to cook. I like to do things like that but um and and it it makes me relax i mean i've I've not never had a hard time sleeping i will tell you this um people ask me that question all the time what keeps you awake at night and i usually say not a darn thing i could fall asleep eating dinner but the pandemic did Hmm. during the pandemic i was so worried about the city the city's finances the city employees the citizens of Omaha. It was my responsibility to help navigate the city through this, I didn't wanna to have to lay off anybody. I had to make some incredibly difficult decisions like closing down the libraries and the community centers and the swimming pools and doing a hiring freeze and a purchasing freeze and all of these delayed fire and police classes, I made those decisions myself. And you know those were really difficult decisions, but had to be done. And that really did keep me awake for quite a while. This past year has been very difficult, but we navigated through it better than most cities in the entire country. And we ended up with a surplus in our budget after a year that we had a $75 million revenue shortfall. And uh, so I think we have shown that we did it well, we handled it very well, but that that was something that really concerned me and kept me awake at night but basically i i I'm, I'm not i never turned city hall off i mean i am the mayor 24 um, 7 weekends saturdays nighttime um it's funny the first thing i do every morning i get up about 5 15 every morning and i walk on my treadmill because that helps me get going i lift weights two times a week i've done that for quite a while all that helps my psyche but the first thing i do every morning and is I grab my cell phone and I look and see what Todd Schmatter, Chief Schmatter has sent me during the night because we communicate probably more frequently than any of my directors and he keeps me informed and I know by 5 15 6 in the morning what has gone on during the night and so I'm always tuned in but I feel like um, I think at the end of the day I can tell you this I love my job and that's how I can I can separate um, having time to relax having time to get through this period that has been so difficult for me and my family with the loss of my husband um, that we can get through it because I do love what I do.
0: Yeah, it seems like there, there certainly is a component of loving the actual, like, very specific problems or headaches that are just going to come with any kind of responsibility in the city. But then also, I mean, there's the issues, too. So I'm curious, when, when you first decided to get into politics, maybe like when you were first starting to get into the legislature, running, running for the state legislature, what were some of the issues that were bringing you in?
1: Well, actually, the first I got into politics was the school board. Mm-hmm. And obviously, that was, that was kind of a natural transition because I was new in Omaha. Um, I wanted to get involved. Um, like I said, I chose not to go and to work in a critical care unit because my husband's job was so demanding. I thought I'm new in town. They'll stick me on midnights on the weekends. And I felt like my kids needed me. Like I said, they were going into kindergarten and second grade at the time. So I just, I said, what can I do in the school to help out? And I got real involved in the PTO, PTA at that time, um, became president really quickly. Said so I kept on saying, I'll do that. I'll do that. You know, I'll, I'll help with this and that and the other. And um, and became really active in the kids' schools, and then then the transition was easy because I got re- I wanted to know everything about the school district, you know I wanted to know about how it ran, and I wanted to know understand the curriculum, and I wanted to un- understand the goals of the superintendent and their strategic plan, and I just kind of threw myself into it, and then when that position, as I told you, there was a school board member. Um, Mary Beth Heverin was her name that she resigned and there was an open position I thought I can do this this is something I could put a lot of time and effort into and that's kind of how it all started. Um, I wanted to make a difference in the school district, uh, the school district that my kids were involved in. I wanted to make sure you know that that the curriculum was right the budget was right we kept the taxes low. All of those things that are important in a school with a school board member i wanted to understand the legislature and how we got state aid funding and i learned all those things and then you know uh the reason i ran for the legislature was back when we were going through the whole one city one school district issue if you recall that in omaha public school came out with an announcement that they wanted to take over all the metro school districts and i thought well you know what i could run for school board again or I could run for the legislature and help my school district out more in the legislature. And that's why I chose to do that at that time. And um, I still had two more years on the school board. I was in my third term two years in when I ran for the legislature. And when I lost that race by 14 votes, I might say, on the ninth day, when they counted the provisional ballots, I thought, well, you know what? This wasn't meant to be. I had two more years on the school board, but something else is out there calling my name. Because I felt like after three terms on the school board, I had done pretty much everything that I could do. And I wanted another challenge. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I wanted to learn more about the city. And, and uh, when I was on the school dist- or school board, you worked a lot with city government with things like infrastructure and roads and planning and zoning and these types of things. And I wanted to learn a lot more about the city I lived in. And so then I threw myself into that. So it, it kind of was when I ran for um, the city council too, the first time when I ran for city council, I will tell you this very honestly, I never had an ambition to run for mayor. That was not a stepping stone for me at all. I thought I want to be on the city council. I'm going to work real hard. I'm going to really throw myself into this and learn about the city and, and help in a different way. But two years into my first term in city council, I thought I had to make a decision whether I'm going to run for city council again, which might have been a pretty I would. I don't want to say easy uh, reelection, but there, there. I did not know a lot of people that were going to challenge me, or I could have a real challenge and challenge the incumbent mayor. And as a council member, I really did not like the direction the city was going. I didn't like the, you know, his his plan, and his strategy, and. His his goals and I felt like that's what I need to do. I can do this. I can challenge the incumbent mayor. I knew city government. I knew I could do the job, and so it was just it was pretty progressive. And I made that decision to run for mayor, um, you know, midterm in my first city council but term. But um, I never I never when I started running for things thought well this is my pathway to get here or there. Um, people ask me a lot of times what are you going to run for next. Do you want to run for governor? Do you want to run for US senator? And I said, you know what? I don't even think about those things. I like what I do now. I love my job now. And I feel like we have been successful. Um, I think I've been really successful in great partnerships um, since I've been mayor with so many people and organizations that work together that make this city so successful and dynamic. And we work together because we're a team. And I think every citizen in Omaha contributes. To the remarkable transformation of our city. Uh, that's why our campaign slogan is Omaha Together, uh, because that's how we get things done. We work together, and uh, that's why I want to keep. That's why I want to keep this job. That I want to run for another, uh, you know, term, uh, a third term, because I want to be able to finish a lot of those things that I started.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought up the the Omaha together because it it has been probably the predominant issue as I talk to people who are running in this race or running for council or anything local, really, which is trying to reconcile with, I I would call it sort of the many Omahas that you have within Omaha. Um, It seems like there's both the historical element, whether you go back to redlining to just the way that the culture is sort of uh, settled, where you have a lot of sort of disparate cultures within the city. And, uh, you know, there are a lot of people who, don't necessarily want to have one cohesive or don't think about how can we all work together and you know everybody uh, I've talked to kind of has some pitch for here's how we make uh, the different, You know, here's how we make Omaha cohesive in a way that it really maybe hasn't been in the past. So, I mean, for you, I'm curious because everybody kind of is sort of like, you know, we'll reach out, but I'm not always sure what that means. What what do you see in terms of Omaha acting as sort of one culture? Is it possible? Is it something you're working toward? Uh, You know, what do you make of all those ideas?
1: You know what? I mean, I think Omaha is is very cohesive. I think we work together well. I think that again, that's how we get things done in Omaha is we is we work as a team. And you know, when I well, I have it the past year because there aren't any meetings, but when I used to go to meetings all over the country with mayors, with other mayors, they were amazed at the partnerships that my administration and myself have have have, have forged forward with and get things done in the city of Omaha. Um, A great example is the riverfront revitalization downtown. That's 90 acres of city owned property. And when I tell other mayors this, they are astounded that the city puts in 50 million and we got 350 million of private dollars, including over $100 million STEM science museum down on the waterfront. They are amazed at how my administration and business and the private sector and different organizations and philanthropy can work together to get things done. So I feel like Omaha, as far as that goes, getting things done, projects done, we are very cohesive, and we've made a lot of successes and a lot of project or a lot of uh, progress. I will say, I've said from the very beginning, I am the mayor for everybody. I don't care if you're a Democrat, Republican, I don't care your race, your gender, or what part of the city you live in. And I think that shows, I don't think that Omaha has a a division. You know, if you look at the things we do, and we look at the things, that are the responsibility of a mayor, that are important for a mayor to do. They aren't Democrat or Republican issues and they are for the entire city. When you talk about infrastructure, we passed a $200 million bond issue to double our street repair um, during in the middle of a pandemic. And of the majority of those road projects, a lot of them, are in the eastern part of the city because that's where the roads are are older in there. Um, our new trash contract, you know, that was ten million dollars more than our previous contract. That took me two years to negotiate that, but it wasn't that we had to do it quick; we had to do it right. And you know that that benefits the entire city. And we we surveyed and asked the entire city. Um, when I do town hall meetings, I do seven every fall. I didn't do seven last fall because of the pandemic, but I do it in all seven city council districts because I want to hear what people have, what are their issues in every single city council district. That's what's important to me. So I don't see a division now true that there are areas in the east part of the city that are higher poverty, but we have done so much in those areas since I have been mayor. You look at the transformation of North 30th Street. It's incredible. And I was able to, with, with the help of 75 North, to secure a Choice Neighborhood grant of $25 million dollars to help that area. We got another grant over million, a million dollars of planning grant to help Southside Terrace down in South Omaha. I mean, we have spent a lot of time and effort in affordable housing, and those are mostly in our Eastern parts of the city. So we do things that benefit the entire city. When people talk about, you mentioned redlining. You know, redlining was, went out in 1968 with the Affordable Housing Act. Now there are still some residual Effects of it, but we have tried very hard through our planning department to to erase those things and make it equal and equitable throughout the whole city. And, you know, I've done a lot since in my administration about diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's very important. We made a lot of progress with that. So I really do not see Omaha as a divided city. Can we do better? Of course we can. You know, if there's any mayor in the country that would say we're as good as we're going to get, we can't get any better ever, I'd be the first to say that mayor is wrong because we always have to strive to do better. For instance, recently I hired a new deputy chief of staff for equity diversion and and inclusion and Keith key station and his job is to help me make the city government more diverse and inclusive to talk to every single department and see what we can do to make it a more welcoming city for everyone. And so I look at it as we've made a lot of progress. We still need to move forward. But, but uh, you know, for anyone to say that Omaha's divided and, you know, we don't work together, I, I would say I don't see it that way at all.
0: I'm talking with Gene Stothert, mayor of Omaha, who is currently running for re-election. Follow Riverside Chats on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram and let us know what you think. We'll be back with more of the conversation after this break. Welcome to Backrow Center, a podcast from Film Streams, an art house organization in Omaha, Nebraska. I'm Film Streams Communications Director Patrick Kinney, and I'm joined by Dana Ryan, Film Streams Development Manager, and Diana Martinez, Film Streams Artistic Director. Dana, will you tell us more about what to expect from Backrow Center?
1: Every month, the three of us will come together to talk about what's happening at Film Streams and in the larger film world. Our theaters are places where we use film to put different art forms in conversation with each other and springboard important discussions about identity, politics, and art with moviegoers of all ages. We're excited to bring these conversations to you in a brand new format and hopefully have some fun in the process. As many of you may know, we've been going nonstop since our closure in March
0: due to coronavirus. From our slate of virtual events and Q&As to weekly new releases available on our site, we're excited for a more personal way to bring you all in closer to the heart
1: of our organization by hearing straight from the people behind the scenes. You'll get to know the three of us, as well as the rest of the Film Streams crew, as this podcast develops.
0: Even though we're closed, we still believe in the power of film as a collective, communal experience. So subscribe to the podcast through whichever platform you listen, and we encourage you to tell us your thoughts about future topics, the films we talk about, and stuff we need to watch through our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. We're at Film Streams everywhere.
1: Until next time, we'll see you in the best seats in the house, back row center.
0: And welcome back to Riverside Chats. I'm Tom Noblock. Remember, you can always find our most recent 50 episodes wherever you get podcasts. Subscribe and leave us a review today or become a patron over at patreon.com slash Riverside to get access to the full backlog. Today I'm talking with Mayor Gene Stothard, who is currently running for re-election as Mayor of Omaha. Some of the people who, uh, as I was fielding some questions for you when I said that you were coming on the show, were talking about uh, specifically the protests of the last summer. So, I mean, not only was there the pandemic, but then there were protests after the death of James Scurlock. Uh, and so specifically, there are uh, movements like Black Lives Matter. And they were curious, what are your thoughts on that? Do you support it as a philosophy, as a movement, or where do you land on it?
1: Well, You know, the, the, obviously... And I've said this many times and did many press conferences on it. We feel like everybody has the constitutional right um, to protest. Um, We felt like it's then Um, civil disobedience, for example, is a legitimate means of protest. It's passive resistance. um, and, And we support that. However, when it becomes civil disorder and it becomes hostile and people are breaking the law, and people are destroying public property, Property, then that crosses the line and they have to be held accountable and responsible for that. Um, you know, I asked Chi Schmatter after the first week of the protest and the riots that occurred, and they were considered riots. I asked him for a full report, which he gave me um, absolutely detailed report. You know, we were able to watch, we had the, the, helicopter above with the live link on. We had everything recorded in real time. We had a lot of body camera um, video that we watched. We, We talked to all of the captains, the lieutenants, the sergeants in charge. We found a lot of things that we discovered that we could do better, such as, for instance, communication, Um, because when people are spread out over a four or five block area, it's hard to communicate and, and it's hard to let people know what was going on. But our whole goal during that time was to keep people safe. And, you know, we did find some areas that we know we could improve on. But all in all, I needed to make sure as mayor that I was taking responsibility for keeping the citizens of Omaha safe. And yes, there were some arrests, but there were some people that were destroying public property. And there were people that were a threat to public safety during that time. So, you know, we felt it was very, very important to get control of our city. Um, You know, we did call um, at the request of Chief Schmatter. I did call the governor about on the third day to get the National Guard in to help protect downtown. And at the same time, we wanted people to exercise their constitutional rights. I had businesses and residents downtown calling me saying they were scared to death and they expected me to protect them. I'm the mayor, I'll take that responsibility and do that. And so, you know, we've, we've come out with some different, um, working with our city prosecutor's office, for example, we came out with the restorative justice program after that happened. And we are offering now a second chance to people who um, are arrested for certain misdemeanors um, that involve law enforcement. And now they can basically take a class and do community service. And if they pass that and reoffend, we'll drop those charges on them. It's just another means that we give people for a second chance to say, yeah, you know, this happened between me and this police officer, but now I get to sit down with these police officers and let them know how I felt and let them know why I did what I did. And the police officer is able to say, and here's why I did what I did and tell me how you felt. And this is just another way that we have really, really tried to evaluate what we do, how we responded and how we could do better Um, you know a lot of the movement across the country um, for example pushing for reform police reform uh, first of all I will say a lot was defund the police and put money into social service programs defunding the police is is reckless and irresponsible at this time and I won't do it in fact I raised the police budget in 2021 and the reason is yeah these social programs They can be beneficial, but you have to have those in place and proven to work well before you can reduce your number of law enforcement. You cannot have a safe city anywhere without law enforcement. And going to try to disassemble the police department or to cut their funding and to cut the number of sworn is wrong to do unless you have proven programs that could take its place. And so, you know, we are building a better, better police department all the time. I think we have a very good police department. I want to make it better. Um, you know, uh, if, an example with the, the, the whole movement across the country for police reform, a lot of the things that people were demanding, we were already doing, and we were doing them for a long time. For example, they want to ban on chokeholds. We don't do chokeholds. We don't even teach it. You know, we are one of the, the few police departments in the country there's less than 10% that are accredited we're accredited by calia that means every 3 years this accrediting uh, accreditation gold standard organization comes in and reviews all of our policies all of our training all of our internal investigations and make sure that we are doing things that we should be doing and we are we are improving where we need to improve um you know i created the citizen complaint review board for and i i made it easier by executive order how citizens can file complaints against officers um for misconduct we felt like we have made a lot of changes as a result of the movement uh, across the country but i will tell you um, that, that people also have to take responsibility for their actions. Uh, you know, they, they have to do that. And again, you have to abide by the law. And you know, I am, a, I am a definitely a, a, a law enforcement type of mayor. I believe that my responsibility is to keep people safe. And, and again, you cannot do that without law enforcement. And that's why I work so closely with our, our public safety and, and our police department.
0: If you're just tuning in, I'm talking today with Mayor Gene Stothard, who is currently running for reelection as mayor of Omaha. Another issue that came up a lot with my uh, listeners was environmental concerns. And in particular, a lot of, uh, especially skewing younger people, are pretty terrified about what the climate will look like in the future. So, I mean, sure. what's, what's the Omaha vision for trying to have a plan for potential climate problems or just to try to be more sustainable?
1: Sure. We've done a lot with that. Really, we have. And and, uh, I know some of my opponents are saying that we haven't done anything and that's just not true. They would. uh, It it shows. I think their, their lack of understanding of what city government has been doing for the last eight years, we recognize the impact that climate change has and, and will have on our region. Since I have been mayor, we have responded by taking numerous steps to reduce greenhouse gases. A couple examples would be uh, with our Metro transit. Now I appoint the Metro transit board. I don't run it and they have their own taxing authority, but, um, With our partnership with them, of course, we established a a fleet of natural gas buses, a new orbit that run through the city of Omaha. That new line that we have from 10th Street downtown up to the West Roads has to be considered the initial spine of this new bus system. There will be routes that will tie in from the north, south and west in the future. And those are all powered by compressed natural gas. We have implemented a traffic signal master plan. More specifically, of this new plan that they um, that we are coordinating our traffic signals. It's about a $30 million effort throughout the entire city, which will retime all of our traffic signals. They talk to each other, which will uh, subsequently reduce travel time, fuel consumption, consumption, and subsequently greenhouse gas and emissions. Um, LED conversion of all our traffic lights and our street lights. We've been doing that. We've installed vehicle changing stations and parking garages to accommodate electric cars. Um, we've expanded our dedicated bike lanes to give people other options as far as commuting. Um, our solid waste program, you know, we just have a, a brand new contract with FCC Environmental. It's a 10 year contract with two five year possible extensions, so it could be 20 year. People can see it now. We have a brand new fleet of dump trucks out there, and they are all fueled by compressed natural gas. That, again, helps the environment. Um, And our um, landfill that we have, the Douglas County landfill, the Douglas County runs that landfill. We have a methane recapturing system out there that uh, the more organics that are put in in the landfill, the more methane it's captured. And there's an OPPD power plant out there. Um, We also have, with our CSO program, our combined sewer overflow program, I had it evaluated extensively since I have been mayor, and we have found that we could save probably 25% of the total $2 billion cost with, go, with uh, green solutions. Instead of digging tunnels in the ground, we're doing a lot of retention basins and other types of green solutions that are gonna help reduce the cost of that. And it's all green. Um, for example, um, development practices. We've worked hard with uh, the PACE program, which stands for Property Assessed Clean Energy. And that was enabling legislation passed by the Nebraska legislature. And we were the first Uh, in the entire state to uh, adapt in 2019, the PACE projects and the PACE incentives. Um, I will also say another thing that we have worked on quite vigorously is the smart city initiative. We were one of several cities in the country that were picked for a smart city. And it's a way that we could combine what we do and initiatives that we have undertaken with other cities across the country that you don't have to you know, start at ground zero. And we've been concentrating on transportation and use of technology to improve transportation, which is something very, very important. What we have added now to that is sustainability. And because we think it goes along with, with transportation. So um, we have asked OPPD and MUD because they both have a goal um to um reduce our carbon footprint and be net carbon zero and we asked them to be part of our smart city initiative i talked to the president of both oppd and mud and they are now part of our smart city initiative and we are going to work on wide-ranging goals i would say uh, and use their expertise to reduce the city's carbon footprint and and how it will impact the city in the future so that is something i'm really excited about too I, you know tim burke and mark doyle uh we're glad that i invited them to be part of this um if it, it kind of folds into like i said their plan for a more comprehensive plan involving our partners to make s- the city of omaha more sustainable and so um i think that advisory smart city advisory is going to be um Uh, helpful at helping us develop that strategic plan and uh, I think that we've with that smart city initiative I want to back up what we've been working on with transportation in the in the past Um, those are also we've identified some pilot projects already that do have something to do with sustainability for example we're going to announce very soon a new bikeway uh, on Harney street and we call it uh, market to midtown and it's going to go from uh, Midtown all the way down to the Old Market. Um, Park Omaha, you know, they they're, they have uh, worked a lot on curbside management um, as far as parking goes. Um, we're exploring autonomous shuttles. Um, we want a seamless uh, mobility payment platform, for example. We're exploring that for our bus system. And so there's a lot of things that I think we have already been working on that I will say... Um, my opponents just aren't aware of, and I would think that as mayoral candidates, they should be. Um, I something else I wanted to mention about FCC Environmental with our new um, trash program that always that also includes recycling, curbside recycling, and you know those big ninety-six gallon bins that everybody got. Um, One of the first, the the biggest thing when we delivered them, and by the way, we delivered them in one week to 150,000, or we started the program with 150,000 households. It took us more than a week to deliver it, but that was a big undertaking. But since we have been using the covered carts, our recycling has increased about 50%. And one of the biggest complaints we had in the beginning is I don't want those big 96 gallon carts, they're too big. And now people are saying, don't take my 96-gallon cart away. I fill mine up once a week, or every two weeks as recycling picked up. I fill it up with recyclables. And then we've also been adding a lot of, uh, not a lot, but we've also added glass drop-off. We don't pick up glass curbside, but we've also added, uh, we partner with Ripple Glass out of Kansas City, and we've also added sites to recycle glass, but we don't do it uh, curbside. And then we also introduce the hefty um, energy bag program and that's the way those little orange bags that you mm-hmm. could get hefty and you could still recycle things that aren't aren't on the regular recycle list so there is a lot that we have done as far as sustainability and climate
0: do you feel like there's ever some tension between uh some of the mainstream republican narratives on sustainability or green tech or even like the the paris climate accord or like uh, i think for instance Governor Ricketts, uh, meat on the menu day, sends sort of one message uh, about almost sort of ridiculing the idea of not eating meat one day a week versus actually trying to have some of this plan. But then to communicate it, does that get lost in sort of mainstream party politics as opposed to the logistics of what you're doing?
1: Well, again as mayor of this city uh, you know i am not playing politics with anybody it's not a democrat or a republican issue as far as climate goes it's the science is there and we recognize that client the impact i recognize the impact that climate change will have has had and will have on our region and so these, all of these things that we have done that I just mentioned are to address that issue. I hate to think of it as a Republican or a Democrat issue, um, and so I don't. And so these things, I think, uh, you know, I, I always tell people when I make a decision to do something, I try to gather the data, I try to talk to the experts, I try to make sure I understand the entire um, issue, and then I make a decision and I stick with it. And I tell people why I made the decision. And, you know, you got to take your knocks for those who don't agree with you. Not everybody's going to agree with you 100 percent of the time. But I think I make all of my decisions very wisely and with the input from many. And whatever decision I make, it is always in the best interest of the city of Omaha and the citizens of Omaha. It's not in my best interest and it's not in the interest of my political future.
0: So as far as your vision of Omaha going forward, one of the other issues that comes up a lot is the, the problem of brain drain of how do you convince young people to stay here? How do you make it sound cool and exciting and not just like, oh, I'm from the boring Midwest or anything like that? Uh, right. So what, what's your plan or what would be the vision, say, you know, over the course of the next term that would make brain drain uh, not so much of an issue or just to, to make Omaha an exciting place for young people?
1: Well, I like to approach this issue on the positive side. So I like to call it um, not brain drain, but brain gain. Um, How do we encourage young people who have been educated here, who have families here and friends here, how do we encourage them to stay here? And how do we gain from their educational experience and how do they gain from staying here in the city of Omaha? That's how I look at it. And young people tell me all the time what they want. They tell me they want an exciting urban setting that offers entertainment and retail and social and recreation spaces. They tell me they want affordable housing and transit options. They tell me they want meaningful employment where they can make a difference and they can advance. Um, and they want our city to become a welcoming city for all people and all lifestyles. And there is a lot that the mayor can do to impact how young people see Omaha in their future. These are things that the mayor can do. You know we can talk about things all the time but i want to give specifics i want to give people specifics of what i will do as mayor and what the mayor has the authority to do and that's important because i hear some of my opponents talk sometime and whether you're the mayor or whether you're the governor you have to follow the law we follow, have to follow the law too the mayor gets their authority from the city charter and from law and and i have authority to do some things and I don't have authority to do other things, but what I do have the authority to do as far as brain gain is a strong economy. You know, That's what's gonna bring job opportunities and better wages to Omaha. And we work every day to do that and expand development. Um, I try very hard to keep the cost of living down by keeping taxes as low as possible. Uh, we made great progress in transit options in our city, and those will continue all forms of transit the way people commute. Um, I've worked very hard to make Omaha a safer place to live and work and raise a family. That's important to our our young professionals. Um, Recreation and park opportunities are tremendous in Omaha, and they're expanding. The new Riverfront Park, for example, downtown will be incredibly popular with young people, with families and living in an urban setting. Um, We've worked very hard to improve our image in Omaha. Um, And we have an improved reputation as being a place to dine. A music scene, for example, is building in Omaha, a leader in hosting national sporting events, um, a leader in technology. That's one of the fastest growing industries in Omaha now are tech jobs. People don't realize that. And so we really want, I want, and I have been promoting Omaha as a great Midwestern option for young people who want to avoid the crowds. Um, In uncertainty that's often associated with larger coastal cities and um, you know we've that had unique issues this past year and so we I feel like we've led in making Omaha a more welcoming city for everyone regardless of their lifestyle and I want all young people to be proud to say I live in Omaha Nebraska and I love it there and you know what I have two kids that are millennials Um, uh, One is 33 and one is 35 years old. One lived in Washington, DC, loved her job there. She worked on Capitol Hill as a lobbyist. My son was in school down at University of South Florida in Tampa. They both moved back with their their young families because they love it here. But I will tell you this, um, just recently Yahoo Finance rated Omaha as the number five city in our country as best cities for young professionals, just recently. And we've been listed in many other economic journals uh, all over the country of being a place for millennials to come back to, a place for jobs, a place for people to retire to. And so I think by those national rankings, we have shown that we've made a lot of progress.
0: Well, I think that's a good note for us to end on as we do sort of run out of time here. So I want to thank you, Mayor Stothert, for taking time <laughs> out of your schedule to meet to talk to me and help me get to know you and your vision here.
1: Thank you so much. Absolutely. Bye-bye. Yep,
0: Have a good one. Riverside Chats is produced in conjunction with K-I-O-S and Exarvon Creative. Our original music is written and performed by The Real Zebos, and our artwork is done by Ben Matukowicz. I'd also like to thank several listeners who gave me some questions they thought would be worth asking Mayor Stothert on today's show. Uh, Some of them were asked directly, including one by Alicia Shelton, who has been on a previous episode. Others, I hope that I addressed the basic concept, even if I didn't use the direct question. Uh, I tried to look for at least some of the, the key ideas and hope that they came up. So thank you for that engagement. And if you want to join the conversation, please follow Riverside Chats on whatever social media thing. That, you, that you're on, that you also think a public radio show might be on. Uh, you know, there are a lot of them out there, you know, say, oh, do you, have, do you have one of these accounts? And I say, I don't even, I don't know what word you just said. So we're probably not on those ones. But as always, thank you for listening. I'm Tom Noble